recording? Okay. Um, I know it's a little bit of madness as the kids go back and forth, but quick PSA before we get into the sermon this morning. Um, one of the things that we deeply value around here is, is coming together as a body to worship. And we, when we actually pre-COVID, I thought we we're doing a really uh, a better job of this. Um, but one of the things we think is very, very important is to have as many different voices part of the worship service, right? And one of the ways we do that is, is through scripture reading. Um, um, the hard one is through prayer. Um, one of the things we think is important is to not only say like we as pastors worship or lead the worship service, we all lead the worship service. So um, a lot of times we do this through cold calls, but this morning we're going to do through cold signups, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to pass out little cards or like a, a board there. Pastor Hannah has it. And what we're looking for is some bold souls, right? And if you don't feel bold, just pick your partner, right? Um, or you can pick your child, right? We also believe in that, right? Um, what we're looking for here is just people who are willing to lead scripture, kind of what Kirk did this morning. Uh, we That week, Pastor Hannah will buy you, you write a date, put it in your phone, right? So you remember. But then Pastor Hannah will send you out an email and tell you, hey, this is when in the service you do. This is your passage. We think that's really, really important. Um, and we think it shouldn't be a stressor. We think that's something that we should be willing to do to come up and lead the congregation in scripture reading. This is the easy one, I promise you, because next time I'm up here, we'll be like, we need people to pray, right? And, and that one too is, is a chance to hear from different people, different voices, and to lead us through the worship service together, right? That also comes with a series of announcements, and we'll also give you kind of how you want to do it. Some people um, pray off the top of the dome. Some people write it down, but we think this is really, really important. So as we're passing this out, please pick a week. It brings less stress to Pastor Hannah, but it also enhances the worship experience when we have more of us up here leading different things, okay? So as we're passing that out, um, hopefully you give a, you know, we're all in church, right? We got to use this Christian guilt to a thing, right? Like after you sign up, I want you to stare at your neighbor until they sign up, right? Like that's what we're doing this morning. Thank you. And now we'll preach. Good morning. Um, welcome to everyone this morning again, and welcome to those of you who are following online. I've just been thinking about this week as we get into this Lent season about what a blessing it is to truly come together to worship together. And I think that's a beautiful thing, right? We, the scriptures remind us where two or three are gathered, there God is. And even though that passage is about conflict, as we get into the Psalms, you see everyone coming together and singing these songs of hope, these songs of praise. So for me this morning, I'm just grateful that we are indeed not only gathering to worship, but as we gather to worship, we must be reminded that we're not only family with God, but we're family with one another. Um, as we go through the season of Lent, I've been struck by how Lent is both new and old, right? For some of us, we didn't grow up in traditions or in families or in churches that celebrated Lent. You know, we just ran through the Easter, right? And, and for the others of us, it's something that is old, that is familiar, and it is a season. Now, for some of us, it's about what we sacrifice. For some of us, is we think we're supposed to be more spiritual during this time of year, right? But for all of us, it's both new and old. It's both familiar and strange. Here at Atrick, we like to think of Lent as a walk, as a journey. And the walk is with God, and the journey is with God and each other. And, and so in this season of Lent, I've been struck by this thought about how Lent is this invitation from God to us. And the invitation is that God asks us in this time to hold on to God as God holds on to us. And like many things in Scripture, there's a tension there, right? What does it mean to hold on to God? What does it mean that God is holding me? But biblical tension isn't often tension that tries to pull you apart, right? It's not tension that tries to always knock heads, right? It's tension that you have to hold together. So as we navigate this season, my call to you is this invitation of, of asking yourself, in this season particularly, what does it mean to hold on to God? And what does it mean that God is holding on to us? 
And so here at Lent, uh, or just traditionally in the church, we think of Lent, we kind of remember it two ways. The first way we remember Lent is Jesus in the wilderness. We think about the 40 days before he goes and begins his earthly ministry. This was a time of prayer. This was a time of self-reflection. This was a time of self-denial, of repentance, of reconciliation. But it was also a time where Jesus was prepared for ministry. And, and, and then the other way that the church has traditionally held on to Lent is it's not just the 40 days in the wilderness, but it's also that march towards Calvary. So you'll see a lot of times in the gospel, it says he set his face towards Jerusalem. So before we can get to the cross, before we can get to the death and the resurrection, we go to this march to Jerusalem, this march to Calvary. So while we are in the wilderness during this Lenten season, we're invited to pray. We're invited to do self-denial or self-sacrifice. We're, we're invited to repent, but we're also invited to reconcile. But holding also intention, not just the wilderness, but a march towards Calvary, we march on as well in this season of Lent, taking up our cross. You know, there's so much in our world that says, you know, be your best self. But there's so much from our Jesus that says, give up, surrender, take up your cross and follow me. It's a little bit harder than being your best self. It's trusting God that by giving up and taking up your cross and following him, you will indeed be that best self. But just like Jesus marched towards Calvary with purpose, we go through this season of Lent with purpose. And Jesus did it for the glory to come. And we may not experience the glory to come in all its fullness here, but we will expand growth as we sacrifice and celebrate who God is to us. So that's what we're doing during Lent. Not just thinking about what we give up, but thinking about how we grow. Not just thinking about what this season all represents, but thinking simply that God is holding us as we hold on to God. This morning we'll go through Psalm 46, and as we read through Psalm 46, our focus and in the sermon this morning is how do we do all of this during Lent? We do it living and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Have your Bibles turn with me now to Psalm 46. We'll also have it up front so you can follow there as well. I'm reading from the NIV. Starting in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our portress. Selah. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war seas to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields of chariots with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray together. Father and God, we thank you so much that you are indeed the Lord of hosts, that you're indeed the divine warrior, the almighty God, the one who is indeed our confidence. Lord, we trust you. The wars rage in Eritrea and Ethiopia, in Ukraine and Russia, in Yemen even right now. Lord, we trust you. The wars rage within us for where we fall short, for good left undone, for not being who you've called us to be. Lord, we trust you. Though there's nothing we know that seems for sure, 
though everything seems up and down, though the world is so overwhelming, though we are an overwhelmed, a tired people, Lord, we trust you, for you are indeed not only the God of Jacob and Israel, but the God of us. Not only the God of Harrisburg, but the God of Yemen, of Eritrea, of Ukraine. That not only are you the God of this congregation, but you're the God of this whole world. So Lord, we trust you, and our faith is in you. In your holy and precious name, amen. So this, 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 um, this Lent season, I thought I had a really great idea. And one of the things you need to realize when you think you have great ideas about scripture is the Bible's serious. When, when Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, that's true. I thought I had this really bright idea. I was thinking about this season. I was like, you know, what? I think we should focus on the Psalms. You know, I think we should focus on the Psalms. And there's this reason we should focus on Psalms because these were the songs of old. They're songs that have kind of turned into poetry, they've turned into scripture, and they're songs that have been sung for generations and, and, and thousands of years. And as we thought about the Psalms, or as I thought about the Psalms, I was struck by this idea that these are also Psalms that Jesus sung. So while he's in the wilderness preparing for ministry, Jesus sung these songs. While he's on the cross at Calvary dying for you and me, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus sung these songs. And then I had this brilliant idea that I thought was all my own. I was just like, wait, not only are the Psalms songs that Jesus sang and, and songs that we sang forever, but the Psalms point to Jesus. How amazing is that? And I really thought that was my idea. And every fall, and, or I guess every Advent and every Lent, there's a, a group out of Biola College or Biola University in New York who does a really, really good Lenten calendar and an Advent calendar is devotionals. And what they do is they have art, they have music, they have a devotional thought. It's really, it's all encompassing and it's beautiful. And in the intro, they're just like, this Lent season, we're going to talk about how the Psalms point us to Jesus. And I was just like, wow, I wish you had given me some kind of royalties for that because I came up with that all by myself, you know? But as I thought a little bit deeper about not just that the Psalms point us to Jesus, but there's this dance that we do in the Psalms. David Old Taylor says it like this. The glory of the Psalms is that they are comprehensive. They invite us to approach God without fear, without any shame, without anything to hide. God wants to hear everything, including our unedited emotions. We are invited to stand naked before him, fully vulnerable and open. So the draw to the Psalms aren't just that they're ancient and they're songs of old. The draw to the Psalms aren't just that Jesus himself sung them and taught them. The joy of the Psalm is that they're comprehensive, able to hold everything we feel, everything we are, and still have God meeting us where we are. There's a little uh, singer from Ireland um, by the name of Bono. You might have heard of him, right? Um, White people love this guy. They do. It's like when I got to Messiah College, I found out U2 was great. I didn't know this, you know, but then every person, mostly white, loved U2. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, I thought Biggie was great, but apparently U2 is, you know. But Bono has this commentary on the Psalms, and he says this, and I thought it was beautiful. And this is why I thought maybe Bono is great, right? But he says this, what's so powerful about the Psalms are as well as there being gospel and songs of praise, they are also the blues, it's very important for Christians to be honest with God, which often you know, and I love this. And this is when I realized Bono was great. In this quote, not in U2 song, but in this quote, he says, God is much more interested in who you are than who you want to be. And I find that very challenging because we live in a world, again, of being your best self, right? We live in a world of dreaming about what I can be. But he says, right where you are right now, God is much more interested in who you are 
than in who you want to be. So as we go through this psalm, as we go through this journey that, that's going to point us to Jesus, as we go through this journey that's going to show us who Jesus is, may we be reminded that the psalms are gospel. They tell the story of God in the world. They tell the story of Jesus entering in. They tell the story of Jesus living a perfect life to show us how to live to please God. They tell the story, yes, of Jesus on Calvary. They tell the story of the resurrection. And that is why we praise. And that's why the Psalms are Psalms of praise, songs of praise, because we give thanks that God is on our side. We give thanks that God is working in and through us. We give thanks that our God is great and almighty and ours. But we also have to hold on to the fact that the Psalms are the blues. And the blues are a little bit harder because the blues are, are not just emotion and deep feeling, but the blues are saying, God, I might not have it all right now. God, I'm falling short right now. God, I don't have it figured out. God, I've missed the mark. But God, thank you for holding me and help me to hold on to you. Psalm 46 is one I picked about living in the spirit because as I read this psalm, I saw this dance between promise and petition, a promise that God makes to us and then an ask that God has of us because of this promise. The, the, the scripture begins with this simple statement, a bold statement, God is our ever refuge and God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in time of trouble. What a blessing to know that as the world is crumbling down, God is our refuge. What a blessing to know that when we feel weak, when we feel like there's nothing we can do anymore, when we feel there's nowhere we can go, when we feel that we're all on our own, what a blessing to know that God is our strength. What a blessing to know when we feel overwhelmed. Again, whether it's wars that rage in Africa or Europe, whether it's wars that rage within ourselves, whether it's war that rages in the people around us, whether it's suffering all around us, what a blessing to know that God is our ever-present help in every time of trouble. And if God is indeed our refuge as the world crumbles, if God is indeed our strength when we are weak, if God is indeed the ever-present help that we need, the petition to ask is for us not to fear. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The ancients believed that, 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 that the Israel or, or the land was kind of seated on top of mountains. And, and so the sea was always, always a threat. And the idea that they feared was that, you know, there's wars all around us and people are fighting on land, but even the sea we can't trust. And I thought about that because as we kind of recap this Lenten season and all that's going on, we may feel a little closer to the ancients that we just don't know when the world's going to turn on itself or we just don't know when that person is going to turn on us or we just don't know what's going on and how to hold on to it. But the reminder and the petition and the ask of God is not to fear, but to trust God who's your refuge and strength, to trust God who's your ever-present help. And then there's this phrase that shows up in the Hebrew, and we don't know what it means, so we have great ideas, right? It's Selah. And there's some people who see this as, as just a musical term, right? Which I don't play music, so we're just going to go with this, right? But somehow these ancient songs that they sung, like when you hear that, it's like in my head, Selah means solo, right? It's just like Selah, then the person goes off on their tambourine or something, right? But, but for other people, it's a marker. It's a marker to stop and to think about what you just read, or think about what you just sung. 
And for other people, it's not just a marker, but it's a chance to rest in what you just read or what you just sung. So this morning, I think we can do all three of it. God is our refuge and strength. Praise God. God is our ever-present help. Let's rest in that. And as we go into the world, let's make that our marker. Though the nations rage, though the seas may come for us, though ourselves may not be all secure, rest in God being your refuge. Rest in God being your strength. Rest in God being your ever-present help. And then he moves on. He talks about Jerusalem. In verses 4 to 6, he writes, or the sons of Korah sing, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The reminder here, or the promise here, is that the God who dwells in heaven dwells on earth too. The God who sits in heaven joins with us too. Years ago, there was a movie by the name of Troy, right? It stars Brad Pitt. He's dreamy. And, and, and not only is Brad Pitt dreamy, but Brad Pitt had this thing that caused me an existential crisis, right? In the movie, Brad Pitt has this scene with a priestess, I think, of Hera or Aphrodite, one of them Greek gods, it don't matter, right? And, and in the scene, they're, they're, they're talking about faith. And in the scene, she's talking about how we need to just have faith because it's our duty and the gods are great and we just need to trust, right? And Brad Pitt's character, Achilles, right? Achilles has this thing where, you know, he says, I think you've got it all wrong, right? Because it's the gods who envy us. Because the gods just sit up there in heaven and they, they, they in Olympus, sit up there in Olympus and they go on forever and they just live forever and it's just, that's what they are. But we as humans, we have the power of the moment, right? Like you will never escape this moment. You only have this moment. And it told her in the existential crisis. And then I'm sitting there watching. And I was like, why am I in the existential crisis? Because this is a good point. Like, what if God is just up there, right? And goes on forever and, and, and like, we just, we have the moment, but he can't relate to us. And it took me about a good month to get through this. One of my friends was just like, yeah, idiot, that's why Jesus came. I was like, oh, that's true. When we think about Jerusalem in the Old Testament, that was the place where God dwelled. That was the sign of God's blessing. That was the city of the king. And in here, the songwriters are reminding us that, yes, God is the God of heaven, but God doesn't stay in heaven. God comes down to earth. God is on earth now. And that's a challenge for us when we're battling addictions or afflictions. That's a challenge to us when we see deep, deep human suffering. That's a challenge to us when we keep reaching and reaching for God and we don't feel him reaching back. But just like God promised to be in Jerusalem, God promises to be on earth too. And then the psalm writers end with Come and see what the Lord has done. So not only does this God who dwell in heaven dwell on earth, but you're invited to come and see what God has done. When it's hard, we're called to be reminded of God's goodness. When we don't have explanation, we're called to trust and have confidence that God is on our side. When we don't know where to go, we're called and reminded to look to God and God alone. 
And then this promise of God being in control and God making war seas comes like this. It says that God who's on your side, desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields and chariots with fire. And then the petition is, yes, the world is on fire. Yes, you're overwhelmed and tired. Yes, you don't know what to do. Yes, you don't know where to go. But be still. Be still and know that I am God. Last night, this hit me on a different level. It was about 11.30, and Pennsylvania decided it needed to be under 20 degrees, which I didn't agree with. They didn't talk to me about this. But I also recognize that, you know, the, the, the recycling in the back of our, our house has just been piling up. And I was like, before I go to bed, I should put this recycling outside. And I put my foot outside, and I'm just like, it's less than 20 degrees. Why? You know? But as I went outside, in the still of the night, as cold as it was, as windy as it was, as much as the wind was hitting my face, and I probably should have had a jacket on, and I was shivering cold, trying to rip up boxes and stuff them in the blue bin. Thank you, Harrisburg, for making your bin so small. I was reminded in the stillness of night that God is still there. And I think this shows up for us in so many different ways. But I hope that whatever troubles you're walking through, I hope that whatever sees you're maybe doggy paddling, right? Maybe you can't tread, you just got a doggy paddle right now. I pray that whatever afflictions or addictions or, or whatever you're battling, that God finds you in the still of that cold night. What's interesting about this psalm and why I think it's a good psalm to be reminded that the Spirit is with us is because I think of the Holy Spirit as God's most present presence. Jesus, before he goes to heaven to make it perfect for us, promised us as believers that the Spirit will come to us. We've said this time and time again that when God sends us into this world, he sends the church and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is physically in heaven. So God's most present presence is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And though in the Old Testament they held down to Jerusalem, the city of the king, as the place where God dwells, Jesus changes it. Because when we believe in Jesus, we don't have to be like David and say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, because that presence is not in Jerusalem. It's now in us. That's where God dwells. The spirit lives inside of the body, which is the church. But even more, the spirit lives inside of you. It is the spirit that draws you to God. The spirit that guides you. The spirit that enlightens you. Whether it's scripture or what's happened in your life or where you're going, it's the spirit that lives inside of you. But that spirit that dwells, that spirit that empowers it's the spirit that stays. And that's what we mean by God's most present presence, right? We don't have to worry about holding Jerusalem. We just have to worry about holding on to God because God is living inside of us and holding on to us. Our Father in heaven is what we pray. Jesus in heaven is what we believe. But praise God, the Holy Spirit is down here. And so when we say trust God, no matter what's going on, Part of that trust is remembering that that Holy Spirit lives inside of you, is transforming you, is working in you, through you, among you, with you. But that you is like the New Testament you. It's you all.
meaning that the Holy Spirit now rests inside of the body that is the church. It's working through the church. And even being the church, we are the work of the Spirit. So how then do we hold on to this ever-present presence? How then do we hold on to the spirit that lives inside and works in and through all of us? I think the word that comes up in scripture time and time again, and the posture we're invited to take is simply surrender. We must surrender to the spirit. And I think that's what it means to live by the spirit. Now, for some of us, whether it's online or, or listening, for some of us, the surrender we need is, is the forever surrender. Maybe we've never made that decision to truly, truly follow God. We might believe in Jesus, but we've never fully surrendered our lives to Jesus, meaning all that we are belongs to Jesus. Not just our gifts, our skills, and abilities, but what we think, what we do, what we work for, what we build. Everything belongs to Jesus. Not just our children or our trusting him with our health or our future, but everything belongs to Jesus. And that surrender is how we live by the Spirit, by literally every single day casting them down and putting down at his feet. But for others of us, surrender might be what we need today. Because there's something we've been holding on to for so long that we just can't let go of. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there's something that's holding on to us for so long, and we need to ask God to break that chain, to break that hold, and to release us. Because the God who dwells within us is the God who invites us to find peace. I have a friend who pastors at a BIC church in Philadelphia, and I was in a prayer group with her this week, and she shared about how when she thinks about the idea of being still um, and, and, and knowing that God is God, and it was so good, I said, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm so stealing it for Sunday, because why? There's nothing new under the sun, and if Viola can take my great thought that the Psalms point to Jesus, I can take yours too. But what she said is like she imagines, you know, when you first jump into a creek, and when you jump into a creek, what happens? The waves go, right? If there's little fishies, they might scatter, you know? But then you see after a while, the waves go down and down and down and down. And as they slow down and down and down, eventually you get to a point where the lake is just still. And so her challenge and her invitation to us was to not just look at the waves going out and out and out, but just like we know that eventually there's peace that comes to the lake. We need to know that eventually there's peace that comes to us. The world might be on fire, but praise God that God is here. Praise God that God is inside of you. Praise God that by being still, by knowing he is God, by surrendering, we can be empowered by the Spirit. And I think that's why Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Because everything that Jesus does is empowered by the Spirit. And if Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, needed to be emptied out, to be full of the Spirit, to go out into the world to do his ministry, how much more do we need to come before God to surrender ourselves, to lay it all at his feet, and to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Holy Spirit, send me Living by the Spirit is simply surrender. So the question for us this morning is, how am I surrendering? 
of where do I need to surrender? Because I cannot rest until I fully surrender to God. I'd like to invite up Pastor Hannah and our worship team. Um, we'll be singing our last song. This is a song that actually comes from South Africa, from a group called We Will Worship. I think we're only doing the English words this morning. Um, but this song is, is, is this idea of resting in God. And the, 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 the call of this song is we will abide, right? We will dwell. We will rest in God. I want to invite you as, you, as you get the words, definitely jump in and sing along. But maybe you need to take some time and say, God, what does it mean, surrender to me? What does it mean that I need to surrender to you? Or what do I have to give to you fully? God, I want to rest in you, but I cannot rest unless I surrender. And when I surrender, I'm asking you to, to, to fill me up with the Spirit so that as I go out into the world, whether it's a march towards Harrisburg or Jerusalem, whether it's a march towards people I love or people that don't love me, as I go out into this world, Lord, I surrender to you. I want them to come and see that you are good. I want them to come and see what you've done. But Lord, first I must surrender. I must give it all to you. I must rest in you because it's in that rest you fill me up. And as you fill me up, you send me out. Let's stand and sing together. I'd like to invite all the pastors in the room as well to please come up. We'd love to pray for you, um, whether it's something in a sermon that you want to respond to or something that's not giving you rest or something you need to surrender to the Lord. We'd love to pray for that as well. So please come up or join us as we sing. We are going to sing the Zulu together when we get there. Um, I'd invite you to give it a try. It's Vini Owona Wona, Sizo Lala Kue, Sizo Zifila Kue. I believe in you.
we think about resting in the Lord, as we go through and continue our journey in this Lent season, may what we give up point us to God. May our sacrifice help us to remember our Jesus. May our journey be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And may our surrender be found in resting in our God. Our Father and God, we thank you so much for this journey, not just through the season of Lent, but through the season of life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are indeed God's ever-present help for us. We thank you that you now dwell in us. We thank you that you lead and guide us, that you direct our paths, that you enlighten us, that you open our eyes not only through scripture, but even in our lives. So Lord, help us to rest. Teach us to surrender, not just forever, but every single day. Teach us how to set apart time to lay things at your feet. Help us to know that it's okay when we're weak because you, our God, is strong. It's okay when everything seems to be crumbling for you, our God, are good and you're working and you're building. Lord, we thank you that we can rely on you. Teach us, Lord, to rest in you. Teach us to abide in you. Teach us to dwell in you as you dwell in us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ever-present help. We thank you for your presence in this body. We thank you for your work in this world. Help us to surrender and join in. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a good week.